0: Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just
1: fans. We're not just critics. We're Cinemaholics.
2: Welcome, once again, to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of we got this coveredcom I'm John Negroni from the Internet, California, and driving a city bus in a high-concept police chase through the last city on Earth, it's Will Ashton. Toot,
0: toot. I don't know. I, I'm <laughs>
1: embarrassed that I did that. That was the weirdest thing <laughs> you are, you've hey, never done. Oh, you have to keep that in. I want that forever. Yeah, yeah. You, it's, it's not you, a train. You should keep like, that in. Can the we somehow in the first part. Can we somehow incorporate that into our intro now? <laughs> Welcome to Cinemaholics. Toot
2: tube Oh, oh, you've heard his voice already. Just firing guns at adults for literally two hours, just but never even getting
1: close to getting shot. It's Soundmaster Maverick Hines. Okay, yeah. See, this is an intro I can handle. I like that. I'm into it. Not That's- getting shot. Yeah, not okay. getting shot, but just laying down fire. Mm. I'm
2: into it. Well, you're going to be laying down fire in this podcast because we're going to be reviewing Maze Runner The Death Cure, (laughs) the third and final entry in the Maze Runner series. Now, if you're listening and you have no interest in Maze Runner The Death Cure, and you're like, I just want to talk about other stuff, don't worry, we're we're going to be getting to a lot of other movie reviews this week. Uh, We're going to be talking about Hostiles, Please Stand By, Black Lightning on CW, A Feudal of the Stupid Gesture, and more. And uh, we're going to get to a couple of things before we start our featured review. Uh, I do want to say... That next week, uh, so next week the movie Winchester is coming out. And two things about that. Winchester is about a haunted house that literally is like miles from where Maverick and I record this podcast. I work um, like next to it. Yeah, it's like across the street. Spooky. Uh, and we were planning on seeing the movie like in the theater. There's literally a movie theater. It's a Cine arts and it's like right across from Winchester. Its, par-
1: it's parking yeah. lot is like touching the parking lot yeah. of Winchester.
2: Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, Winchester is this movie about a haunted house and it's like uh the ha- it's a true story of like this woman who was like building a house forever cause she believed it was cursed and all this stuff and you can go in there and like go. You on, can like, do tours. It's like a maze house. It's an overpriced version of the Maze Runner, and I think uh it's I think it would I think it would have been cool to watch the movie like across the street, but here's the problem. I'm gonna be out of town next week. So we're not actually uh gonna be seeing it. I think, Will, were you planning on seeing Winchester anyway?
0: Not really, no. Unless we were talking about it on this show.
2: Oh, great! The things so. you
1: do for us, well. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. It, it could be good. It doesn't look very good. Um, special effects kind of hammy. I think uh, Jason Clark and Helen Mirren are in it, but uh, yeah. So instead, though, we do have an episode coming up with a special guest uh, that is going to be covering the Oscar nominations and a breakdown of Sundance. We're going to be talking to somebody who is at Sundance, uh, is still there right now as we talk, and uh, we'll let you know who that's going to be, and that episode's going to be coming out instead of the Winchester one. Um, So we'll keep you posted on that. Plans may change, um, but that's coming up soon. Also, uh, Will Ashton, your podcast, It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre, you do it on the side, you moonlight, Mm -hmm. um, a Shrek podcast, and uh, you guys have a like exciting new season with an exciting new movie.
0: Yeah, so we have officially premiered season two as of last night, which is Saturday for those who are don't listen to us until I don't know when this episode comes out. But uh, yeah, so normally we would have done Shrek 2, but Matt and I, we need something to kind of rejuvenated us. We decided we needed to take a break from Shrek for one year, so have thought? we decided to cover 2003's Ill-conceived live-action take on The Cat in the Hat, which uh, John seems really confused and disappointed by, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But Maverick and, is really uh, excited about it. I that? just
1: think it's going to be like a small dose form of psychological torture to watch that movie every month. Oh, through. no, yeah.
0: Well, that was the thing. Like, last year, we joked that we were going to drive each other insane, but this movie may literally drive us insane because it makes no real sense at all. Before, it was a joke. It, this time, it, the the joke's on us. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, check out the first episode, episode 13. That's available on iTunes and our website. And if you want to keep going down this train with us, we'll have an episode once a month. So look forward but to that.
2: Will Ashen, if I've never seen an episode of It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre, will I be able to pick up with season two?
0: Well, no one sees an episode of it because the podcast, but uh, you can certainly Damn. listen to it and...
1: Dude, Will just lit you up. I was like, <laughs> Will, I'm in Will.
2: I can't wait to have you plug your podcast, and like now I'm just gonna <laughs> cut it out. The people just heard him roast. Well, I heard you ended the podcast, finish yeah. recording, edit. And no one ever hears yeah. about
1: it. Yeah. wow, that was Bill um, action right there. Yeah, no, and if you
0: haven't, you can go into a season not really familiar with what we did last season, just because it's a new movie and we're just gonna have new bits and new random tangents. So yeah, I definitely think you can join us for this season.
2: Cool. Uh, yeah, we have a new season of Cinema Holics coming up. Uh, it's going to be kicking off with our Black Panther episode. So that's going to be cool too. And one of the things that we wanted to do to celebrate uh, our first year of Cinema Holics podcast is we're doing our first giveaway for the show. What? And yeah. And so we didn't talk about it on the show last week, but in uh, our post for the podcast, uh, I mentioned it and a few of you weighed in on what you would like to get. Uh, what, what what are the goods? What, what's the swag you guys want to
1: get? Here. Are you going to reveal what we're going to give away? Well, no, because okay. we haven't decided. Okay.
2: We, we've been talking about a lot of different things. Now, the listeners have suggested two things so far that I think are pretty interesting. A Blu-ray of Brigsby Bear, mm-hmm. um, which was our 2017 movie of the year for Cinema Um And a signed copy of the
0: Pixar Theory,
2: my first book. Now... Those are all great things, especially the
1: part where, like, my book, you know, because, yeah. like, what I if love
0: signing books. It's a signed copy, but I signed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like
1: that. <laughs> all of us. No one, like, only Will and I sign it. You don't yeah. touch it. <laughs> From the only two Pixar theorists you should care about. Yep.
2: Will and Mav um but we're still we're still deciding and we want to hear more of your suggestions so if you have an idea for what you would like to get what would you want to win oh, yeah what do you want to win and also how do we we want the giveaway to be a game like we're not just going to be like oh you know sign right here and uh you get a week to like the 15 17 ride to paris no we actually want you guys to like uh you know compete uh, we want things to get ugly Oh, real. so
0: <laughs> yeah. ready player one situation
2: yeah we've created an entire virtual world called the cinemaholics oasis and uh yeah there's a couple of easter eggs we want you guys to find you're just gonna find like uh you're gonna find like a whole bunch of uh movies that maverick's never seen like which is all
1: of them (laughs) yeah
0: a huge huge interactive shrek world where you just (laughs) what you go through the simulation 12 times and, uh, yeah, Matt Serafini is the Mad Hatter of this situation.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, that's a giveaway. Uh, let us know. In, uh, you can always email us at for at gmail.com for that, uh, to let us know your feedback. Uh, hang out with us on the Facebook or a Twitter page for Cinemahawks and all that stuff. that's in the show notes. Uh, so, looking forward to reading all of that. Uh, before we get into our featured review, uh, just a couple quick things. Uh, now, those of us on the show, we've talked about MoviePass a lot. Um, because it's something that we use to make sure that we see movies every week, and we're not we're not breaking the bank. For those of you listening who are like Movie Pass, what is this? What is this pass? You know, is it like a boarding pass? Well, sort of. It's actually a pass that lets you watch all the movies you want, one per day, for only nine ninety nine a month at a lot of theaters around the country. So in the Bay Area, it's really convenient because there's a lot of theaters that you know SoundMaster Maverick and Heinz and I. Like to go to because mm-hmm. sometimes we're like, do we want to drive this much, this much, this showtime, whatever? Movie Pass is great because we pay a flat fee and we can see a couple of movies a week. And so it's very useful. And um, I, I think, Will, you are not a member of Movie Pass, correct?
0: No, but it's interesting because I was actually getting ready to become a Movie Pass member and then this news dropped and yes. I had some reservations.
2: We're and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this or anything, but we do think it's important to bring it up because we've talked about Movie Pass on the show so much. Movie Pass is doing something ridiculously shady. Shady. Um, so one of the one of the things we talked about, we had an entire last call, and it was is Movie Pass too good to be true? Well, looks well. like some of our predictions came to light here in in some ways because when a Movie Pass initially came out, it really did feel too good to be true. It felt like it was a service that was setting price controls on going to the movies it was it was cheapening the value of a movie theater ticket and now movie pass has collected i think millions of subscribers i don't know what the exact number is but it's a lot yeah, I, since um, they've done the price decrease because of the price decrease yeah so a lot of people are using it so now movie pass is going to theater chains and they're saying do what we say or we aren't going to support your theater anymore. And if they don't support the theater anymore, people are going to use their movie pass elsewhere. elsewhere. And that is pretty messed up and very predatory. And the and things that MoviePass are asking for are not cheap. Uh, so it has led to a feud between MoviePass and AMC because we don't know what MoviePass has necessarily been doing with other theater chains, but we suspect they have been doing what AMC has revealed. And AMC has come out and said that MoviePass has been demanding 25% of their concession... Uh, revenue and i think like three dollars of every ticket that movie pass sells and basically this is movie pass being like this is how we're going to sustain our revenue this is how because 9.99 a month is not sustainable uh, movie, the way movie pass works is that it, it's like a gift card you check in on the app and then movie pass puts money onto a card for you to pay for a ticket Mm-hmm. And because of the way that system works, they can now like withhold service from AMC. And in re- response, AMC is pulling out of uh, several high traffic theaters. I think there's ten of them. Some of the biggest AMC theaters. I think the biggest AMC theaters in the world. Uh, the one in uh, Universal City Walk. Uh, there's the big one in New York, and so on. And it's even affected. There's an AMC here in the Bay Area. The Which AMC is probably in the
1: biggest AMC in this area.
2: It really is. It's it's the one that's very close to Levi Stadium where the 49ers play. So it's like kind of a high traffic yeah. place right by the Great America. That's where 49er a- fans yeah. go to cry. What's where what? It's where 49er fans go to cry. Sorry.
1: <laughs> to like, that's where they, the time to watch the light between oceans, you know, get some like <laughs> perspective. But yeah, and they did the, back in my uh, hometown, Puyallup, Washington, there's one in Aquila, which is close to that area. And they shut that one down too, which is also kind of the biggest AMC movie theater around that area as well. And it's a death knell, right? If you even have two theaters in an area and MoviePass isn't supporting them
2: as a member, I'm immediately being like, well, I, I can't go to and, and the nice thing is, there's an AMC closer to where we are that I actually prefer. But, you know, what happens if that one goes away? And so, pretty crazy stuff. And I will, you have a bit of an opinion on this. And, like, I'm sure it's, like, making you f- think twice about using MoviePass.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where. Like we were saying before, it seemed too good to be true, and I was a little hesitant to actually get a movie pass just because I was afraid there was gonna be a catch. Because there is always usually a catch, and uh, I don't know. Just seeing this news, I kind of get some concerning vibes, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll see how it plays out. I might hold off for a month or so to get movie pass, or I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's interesting though. I don't know if you've heard this or not. Movie pass bought their first movie at Sundance. Mm, uh, I didn't call American this. Animals. They did it with the Orchard. They're joined together to distribute a movie. It's like a three million dollar heist film. So, uh, yeah, I mean that means that. I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's gonna like make or break the bank, but if they keep buying films and they keep keep feuding with uh, AMC, and they're just like, well, we're not gonna have these movies show there. They also do something with Neon, I think, because that was why they kept pushing for Ionia to. Uh, be seen by people with Movie Pass, right? Is that what was going on?
2: Um, they have been. I don't know if it was Neon, but yeah, I Tanya, and Forever My Girl, they had they really were pushing, yeah, because they yeah, made a deal, so,
0: yeah. I mean, um, yeah, if, if Movie Pass has all these customers and they're telling people like, "Hey, see these movies and don't go to AMC," then
2: right, yeah, they have. Uh, so they have 1.5 million subscribers as of this month. And they are collecting a ton of data on users. And they're using it to make money off of studios, being like, these people are watching these movies. Um, So it's a very precarious situation. And I'm super conflicted because on the one hand... I really love that MoviePass is getting people who wouldn't otherwise go watch an indie film to go watch indie films. And it's it's convincing people to go to indie theaters and to see, like I know so many people who went to go see I, Tanya because they have MoviePass and they're, they're not as worried about the loss of investment by mm-hmm. purchasing a really expensive ticket. I love that. The problem is that I, I really just don't like this gouging that movie pass is doing it's very reminiscent of Netflix in a way, the way that Netflix was sort of uh, handling itself when it was like kind of jumping into original content and uh, definitely not as predatory, but like the way it was handling rights to movies and promoting them. I think movie pass is sort of doing the for theaters now, and it could end up in a good situation like Netflix. I think Netflix really figured itself out uh, without being harmful to, uh, you know, movie go to film goers and to people who distribute films. But if this seriously starts to like detriment smaller theaters because these theaters have no choice but to bow to maybe passes mafia like demands I, I i'm gonna have a serious problem with it i'm i'm really really questioning what i'm going to do about this and uh we'll, we'll keep the listeners posted i think that we don't have enough information yet on what's going to happen yeah. but i think what happens here with amc is going to be a, a big indicator of what's to count for sure
0: and I will say, as someone who works at an independent theater, only part time, but still, um, I don't know. I get, I see people all the time coming with movie passes. So I'm really not really sure how that works still, but I'll, I'll have to read into that. We'll t- we'll talk to you about it later after the show. Yeah. We'll 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 have a little birds and the bees
2: talk about okay. movie pass. You insert it into the chip reader, and then we'll talk about it. We'll talk. This about is it. gross. So let's <laughs> let's get into. <laughs> who's chip let's get into chips? our featured review <laughs> not chips the movie uh we still we are yet to talk about that movie um
0: we talked about that one before
2: yeah we always talked about doing like a, a last call or something about chips no no no. i like talked a about a bad chips. movie night
0: i forget what it is but i talked about chips
2: yeah i'm sure you did in many reviews yeah, i'm talking about exactly. like if we just sat around and talked about chips for like 30 minutes that's never happened oh
0: sure yeah that'd be great
2: <laughs> you sound very sincere yeah i know so let's get into our featured review of maze runner the death cure uh this is the third and last movie of the maze runner series and if you've never seen maze runner you have a representative here because maverick hines went into maze runner the death cure not having seen the first two films all he got was an explanation from me (laughs) with some color commentary um very similar to what i did for paddington yes um hopefully just as effective and uh, yeah, so Maze Runner: The Death Cure. It is a. It's like a. a it's a young adult book movie. Um, it's based on a series of books by James Dashner. It's what kind of another sentence. Hunger Games, Divergent, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, the first one came out in 2014, kind of at the tail end of these movies at their peak popularity. I think um, it, it was like right at the peak, actually, because Hunger Games: Catching Fire was, I think, the last good YA book movie, uh, unless someone wants to challenge me on that. And from then on, it really just went downhill. Uh, the first Maze Runner was a bit of a surprise. It was—I I thought it was a very likable film, very, very engaging. Uh, had a nice little central mystery. These kids are stuck in a maze. They don't know why. And there's like aliens. And then the second movie came out just a year later, The Scorch Trials, and that film was just like a really long chase scene. I didn't hate it. I think Will you disliked it? I was very indifferent on it. Okay. I I didn't mind it at all. Actually, I, I had a good time with it because I'm a big Dylan O'Brien fan. He's the leading man here. But then the I third film you want to you want to be with Dylan O'Brien. You do. You want to be on his team. Uh, although I yeah. feel bad, I didn't watch American Assassin.
0: Did anyone watch American Assassin?
2: Um, I don't know. Movie Pass. I'll let you know in a couple of minutes. Sure. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scorch Trials. Uh, you know, they, it was made more budget, but it only made about like the same same amount of money as the first film. And then <clears throat> we finally have this last film coming out over a year late. It was supposed to come out in February 2017, but uh, Dylan O'Brien got injured on set, and so they had to push the release to January, a uh, famous dumping ground for films. And so here, here's where we sit. And so let's for a quick previously on Maze Runner, Will, can you, can you do a quick previously? What, 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 do you remember anything that happened in the first two films?
0: Oh god, this is gonna be a losing battle. Um, so there <laughs> That's was why a maze. I you to do it. Uh, so this kid wakes up. He has no memory of what's going on outside the real world, and he goes into this maze with all these boys, and they're like, "What's <laughs> going on?" <And> it's like, <laughs> okay, it's a maze, and he's like, "That's weird." And then there's like these supernatural like spider things. Yeah, they, I they're think like, they. Yeah, they're like. Aliens they're like, we gotta kind of get out of this maze and then a girl came at one point and they're like it's a girl (laughs) and then they're like we gotta get out of this maze (laughs) and then um I think they like go through the maze and then they like kill the monsters and um then they get to Patricia Clarkson who's like you got out of the maze (laughs) yeah you got out of the maze and uh they're like let's explain some dumb reason why we made a maze and then they're like that's dumb and then uh they, they're they outside of the maze in the next movie and they go to like the Scorch Trials and then Giancarlo Espinito and Rosa Salazar from, from Man Seeking Woman season 2 was there and then <laughs> um, they were like it's a city but it's also like a maze if you think about it <laughs> and then um, the one like betrayed them and he's like but I love you and he's like, Well, we gotta get a cure and then we get into this movie. Oh, and Miho got taken. And yeah, they're like, yeah. We gotta say Miho. And they're like, We'll get Miho. and then this movie starts. Right. You know
1: how they so, uh, they talk about people listening to like certain music as torture tests or or like making like have you seen the meme where it's you know that fitness grand pacer test is used as like a torture joke or whatever? what you just did could easily be used as like, you could just play that for hours for people and they would tell you anything you wanted to know. Like just make Will Ashton stop talking about this series of movies. (laughs) Sorry, Will. It was great. It's okay. Um, yeah. So
2: what you, uh, everything you said is basically right. Uh, it's the future and the world. There's this like disease called the flare virus and it's making people die. And, uh, The cure that they're trying, they're trying to find a cure by exposing kids who are immune to the disease, which includes Dylan O'Brien and these group of kids in the maze, Uh, they're exposing them to these really harsh conditions. Like you got to run this maze because it's going to, your adrenaline is going to kick up these like antibodies or something and it's going to create a cure for this flare virus. And so that's the premise of this series, this like evil organization called Wicked, which I don't get why that's their name. Um, they're basically the Umbrella Corporation, yeah. uh, led by Patricia Clarkson and Aidan Gillen. They are trying to round up these kids, and they're trying to do these like experiments and everything like that on them in order to find a cure. And uh, which actually kind of sounds like a kind of a sympathetic mission on their part. And uh, the movie almost uh, takes notice of that. But in this third film, as you said, they're trying to find um, this group of kids. They're trying to find the one of their missing. Uh, they go to the last city on Earth, and they hook up with a bunch of people uh, led by Walter Goggins, who are going to try to help them you take mean over Walton the Goggins. Yeah, that's what I said.
0: You said Walter Goggins.
2: Oh, sorry, Walton Goggins. Be clear hmm. uh, to go rescue um, Mino, uh, played by Ki Hong Lee. And, uh, yeah, there's, and there's a little love interest story at the center of it where Dylan O'Brien has to okay. reconnect with Kaya Scudelario. Will he? Won't he? Who cares? I,
0: I can't buy into this love interest thing. Cause I feel like Dylan O'Brien is way more into Miho. <laughs> 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 like, she, like, like they tell us, like they telegraph, like I, I care for this girl, but the whole time I was like, I think he just wants to hook up with Miho. Like that's the whole reason why he keeps doing all this stuff. Yeah. It's a more interesting story. I, I mean... Honestly, they have more chemistry. Like, I felt more when they got back with Miho than, like, when the girl came in. They're like... Well, we'll talk about the later stuff, I guess. And maybe sure. Spoilers. I mean, I don't know. I'm... I, I watched
2: the last movie, and I was like... I I, 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 was, I was so excited when the Kaya Scudelaria character, Teresa, when she, was, when she betrays everybody, as you mentioned. Because I was like, good. Because, you know, this leaves room for Brenda, played by Rosa Salazar, who I think is a much more fun love interest. In this movie, she's kind of just an afterthought unfortunately but that said let's talk about maze run of the death Cure. it's a long movie two hour two and a half hours or something like that will ashen what did you think of maze run of the death Care?
0: uh not a whole lot um this is one of those movies where the more i think about it the more it just evaporates from my mind uh it's i don't know it, it's it, it's really just okay to me like i feel bad that it's our main review because it's not really a movie I feel like super passionately about. It's just kind of a ho-hum closer to this franchise that I don't know. I actually really liked, well, not really liked. I did enjoy, enjoy the first Maze Runner a good bit, but I think the main reason I liked that is I liked the mystery aspect of it. Like I liked the idea of not knowing what was going on behind this maze, like why these kids were in here and stuff like that. But then when they reveal more and more information about, the origins and what was going on in the outside world, I found it just got sillier and kind of dumber. Yeah. And I
2: I would add to that, like the idea of like, how do we get out of this maze is a way more interesting plot story than
0: we got to go rescue this guy. And the other thing is that like the, the thing that I actually like a lot about these movies are the set pieces. I think the set pieces are really good and stuff. And I thought the maze was probably the best set piece of them all just because, it's enclosed, but there's, like, enough going on that you can, it keeps your interest, and it also looks pretty cool and stuff like that, but then, I don't know, just, like, the other ones have seemingly kind of aped on the Mad Max movies, which is fine, but we just had Mad Max Fury Road the yeah. same year that we had the Scorch Childs, and it's just like, yeah, these are alright, but I can just watch Maze, or the um, Fury Road again, just get that adrenaline back in me, and so, I don't know, I mean... It's not that I dislike these sequels. I just feel like they're just sort of there. Like, I I think they're fine. I think they're pretty, ac- they're actually pretty well directed, especially for someone who's making their first movies with these. But I. This is director Wes Ball, by the way. Yeah,
2: he, He's directed a few short films, but the Maze Runner films are his only main releases.
0: And I would like to see, like, was he attached to why The Last Man at one point? I don't know. I thought I remember hearing that, but I could be completely wrong. I could see, I want to see him do something else. Actually something maybe a little more adult and mature just to see what he could do on his own. Away I feel from like
2: the franchise. death cure was really dour though. Like mature in a bad way, like very self serious. Well, no, no,
0: no. I just meant like, I want to see him be like on, like doesn't have to deal with this franchise. Like now he's away from that. doesn't have to have that. Like him just being like in an R rated setting and just make a movie. Like that's it hopefully original concept or something that's based on something that's a little more uh, compelling as opposed to this kind of, I don't know. Cause I heard the, the sequel, like the books aren't that great either. Like the first book is really cool, but then the sequels aren't that good. So like the source material wasn't really doing them any favors either from what I've yeah. heard. Yeah.
2: And they do. Yeah. They, they don't have like the largest audience in the world. Like we were talking about this before, like who, who wants to see these maze runner films? And, yeah, I don't think the fan base is very large. Definitely not as large as, like, Divergent. And then Divergent fizzled out, right? On yeah, that was, material.
0: that was sad. Um, actually, not sad. I mean, those movies were pretty dull, but, I mean, just not even getting to finish their series.
2: Yeah, uh, I think that uh, two things that I appreciate about Maze Runner is that they don't split the last movie in a two, and yeah. they actually do finish the whole
0: thing in right. a reasonable amount of time. Well, you're saying, weren't there prequels, I guess, they could do? There are they-
2: prequels, but, yeah, I don't think they're going to happen.
0: It does feel like, it does have a conclusion. Like it does feel like this is the end of a story. So I, I am yeah. glad that they're not going to try to do another one hopefully, but I don't know.
2: Well, so far the box office is uh, painting a picture that says don't, um, they, really? yeah. Cause I think you mentioned in your review, Will, like as the budgets go up, the money just goes down a little bit. So yeah, I, I don't see an appetite and, and Dylan O'Brien needs to move on. He's got really good things ahead of him. Um, I, I think that American assassin aside, he. Well, this, is, this is a really strong young actor.
0: Yeah. Is this the one where he got hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Just he, like a couple of
2: days into filming.
0: Was that during the opening scene? I was trying to figure out where it was. But I, I don't know appreciate. which
2: scene they were working on. It might have been. Cause was, a, I
0: thought he flew out of like a, flat, or a moving vehicle. It,
2: see, it, that's the thing. It's like, I, I wonder if that was a, a scene that they did in the middle of like the last city. So hmm. don't know for sure, but matter of kinds. You, uh,. You went into this movie, and you didn't—you didn't see a single Maze Runner film. What, what was your experience like? Um.
1: It, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I—it I, was. This is just like one of those movies that is not something I care about at all. Um, so it's a movie. It's a movie. It was a long sit in a movie theater. <laughs> I don't know. It just like the. That what you call, like the young adult kind of theme is just not. I don't care. It's just not my thing at all. Um, I don't really have much positive to say about the movie. I, and the thing is, is like, I don't think it was terrible movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was just like the worst thing in the world. It's just There's like good stuff here. Yeah, I mean, and if you like action sequences, there, there are some cool action stuff. I guess it's just like there wasn't much of a story for me. Obviously, I was missing a lot of information because I didn't see the first two, so I'm not necessarily a great uh, point of reference for this film. Still, don't care about it though. <laughs> this definitely didn't make me want to go back and like, oh, what am I? Mi-? You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. didn't spark any interest to to learn more about it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There was a lot of stuff I'll talk about if we do spoilers. There's like, you know, I always find like the one stupid nitpick that bothers me about a movie. And- well,
2: I think we can we can talk about it without spoiling anything there's a scene where two characters are jumping off a building i think that's what you're talking
1: why didn't she just jump
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's a character who just doesn't jump even though she is like okay so
1: what's what's more important about this they're on the building they're trying to get onto this you know plane or whatever yeah and she throws a 180 pound man like 13 feet under the plane like she superhuman throws this guy and (laughs) then she's like i'm just gonna stay here (laughs) like yeah. There was plenty of time. She could have jumped to the plane after she just superhuman threw another human. And this is your Jessica just Roth like, hammering the nail moment. Right? I'm just Isn't gonna it? I'm just gonna
0: float into the abyss. I guess I instead. Like, I like the idea of her just being like, I'd love to move, but in the script it tells me I gotta stay here. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's like, I really want to jump, yeah. but you know, plot. I guess I don't know. It was just. I think that's the first thing I said when the movie. I was like, Why didn't she just jump? What is happening? Yeah. So. There were a lot of little stuff like that too. I think there were many moments in the movie where it's just like, why didn't this person just do the, the right? There were a lot of weird thing. character
2: moments. There's there's there are scenes when characters
1: like kill certain people or th- there's just things that characters do that you're like, why would you do that? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's like it, it seemed like their their need to make this movie dramatic. Like mm-hmm. they're needed to be, oh you need to feel something. There's so a we're a lot just of gonna, drama. We're just gonna make someone do something outlandish that has no sense or, you know, importance to this movie just so you can go, you know what I mean? And instead it made me go, what? Like, why is this happening?
2: Which is a shame because like, I do think the storytelling itself is pretty cohesive. Like, nothing happened where I was like, that's kind of impossible. There were actually plot contrivances like that. Like, I I kept getting out of my my own head of like, maybe they're not shooting anyone because they want to not kill the kids. Nope. Maybe they're not firing missiles at this car that's right in front of them because they want to take the antibodies from the kids i mean you really have to give this film a lot of credit because it doesn't tell you it doesn't give you a lot to go off of Mm -hmm. of like why weird things happen i guess but i I do want to say we were benefited a bit by watching this in imax because i would like the set pieces here are pretty cool there's some cool stuff that happens there's a scene where it's like the city becomes like a war zone and on imax it, it, it was pretty thrilling like there were some there was some real effort put into this movie. I, I really think, like, there's a scene where, like, a car, like, flies down the street, and it's a really great practical effect. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I hesitate to kind of make it sound like this is a straight pan waste of your time, but it kind of is if you don't have any investment in these movies because how are you supposed to,
1: like, where are you supposed to come in from, mm-hmm. right? I agree. Yeah. I don't know. There's. I wish there was more to say about it, but, I, like I said, I just feel like I don't have a lot to offer the conversation just because I haven't seen a lot of them, and... I, you know, as our listeners has pointed out, I'm kind of a hater, I guess. <laughs> so I'm just adding this to the repertoire list of stuff, Maverick doesn't like this movie. Uh, there's some things we, you know, we don't want to spoil. There's a, a character from the first movie who inexplicably shows up in this, and, <laughs> which uh, was just a wasted moment for me. I was yeah, like, you're like, I don't. Hey, care. here's this guy I'm seeing for the first time. But he shows up and. You know, I
2: honestly think it was for the best because he was a character. Like, this is a show that desperately needed some humor and some
1: energy, and this actor actually brought some. They, they really tried. The, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but there were a couple moments where they really tried to be funny, and it they was just did? like, yeah. I didn't, didn't well, I didn't mate. notice until after the fact. Like, there's a moment. I'll try to say it without giving it away. You might have to edit this out. But like after the whole bus thing, mm-hmm. and then the bus just goes like out of order, and I was like, yeah. oh, that was oh, supposed yeah. to be a joke, right? <laughs> Poor the timing was just way off. Yeah, it was just not well done. Sorry, yeah. that was kind of.
0: There were a that couple of moments moment like for that because I was like, I recognize that's a joke. And it's not a bad joke. It's actually <laughs> kind of funny, but I just didn't laugh. I just was like,
2: that was a joke. Well, you know why yeah. though? It's because the movie hasn't prepared you to find stuff funny, right? Like there wasn't an ounce of humor before
1: that. No. So like, I'm not in a zone <laughs> where I'm yeah, ready to you're laugh. You're not like prepared for a small little witty joke like yeah. that.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And it because there there's repeated <laughs> patterns of like serious, 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 serious and like moments where there could have been jokes. And I was expecting like, all right, this kid is gonna make a joke about the, the fact that this thing is called a wicked. Yeah. Straight face. And his name is Frypan. Yeah. Like Frypan. This guy should be
1: laying down fire throughout this movie. <laughs> like he should be the self-aware character who's like, This is insane. Yeah. They really needed something like that. They yeah. needed some sort of break because it was just I think you said earlier th- this thing was just too serious, too much.
2: Cuz like the you don't need all the characters to be like that. With the Dylan O'Brien character, there's enough to like him for. He's mm-hmm. just a very selfless leading man. He's just, you know, he's not very exciting or anything, but like that's enough. But like you need like the Rosa Salazar character. She could have had a little like she, I don't know. There there are moments where she kind of goes a little crazy with adrenaline, I guess, but I don't I they're just very confusing things here, and I wonder how much of it is the source material and how much of it is just the directing. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, so Maze Runner to Death Cure. Uh, we didn't even mention some of the other people in this movie. Uh, we did mention, like, Walton Goggins plays, like, a ghoul from Fallout 4, um, <laughs> basically. And uh, Barry Pepper is in this with a very small role. It really feels like he had a role in the books that just didn't translate. But, you know, I, I, I think that, well, one of the things Will and, Will and I were talking about because uh, we were, you know, we both wrote our own reviews for this, and I think we're both kind of conflicted on how this movie feels like lots of other movies. Will, yeah. um, where are you at with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it wears its influences on its sleeve to be sure, but uh, yeah, and it just doesn't really. I don't think it brings enough to the table that makes me invested in it on its own. Just because, like, I mean, I can't even imagine being in Mavericks position just watching this. Without really any full context of what's going on, but just like, like you're kind of saying before, it looks kind of drab. It doesn't really, it doesn't look like it's exciting as the first two movies, and it just like, the things that it brings are just kind of by the numbers, trilogy closing stuff. So yeah, it,
2: it's it's a lot of mashup materials, right? It's
0: but, zombies and Mad Max and yeah. sci-fi, Bioshock, and it's weird. Right. But I will say, like, even though the opening is very, very inspired by Mad Max, I found that to be the most entertaining scene, just because I like the use of like practical effects and like actual stunts, and I thought that was a pretty engaging, fun way to start the movie. But the problem is that the rest of the movie doesn't have anything quite as exciting or as interesting. Yeah. Well, I would so-
2: say one interesting thing is that Miho has like a VR scene that I thought was pretty cool, um, where it's a nice little like refresher of like, where... Why this character is kind of
0: important? You yeah. Know. Well, that was one of those scenes where I was like, I'd really like to see Westball do like something else, like a horror movie or something, because sure. I think he ha- has potential. But I felt it was kind of weirdly out of place in this movie.
2: Would you say West is too craven to make a horror film?
0: How dare you! And that was our last episode of Cinemaholics, everybody. We're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, it's like kind of ma- like what Maverick was saying. It's just like this movie doesn't really offer you a lot to talk about. Like, it's just. Just sort of there and it's like it's not incompetent. It's pretty decently made, but it's not engaging or really original or compelling enough to warrant like any enthusiasm, so it's just yeah. like a big shrug.
2: Well, let's let's count that as your final thought, Will. What's your grade well, for Aze
0: Run of the Death Cure? My final thought is that Donald Brian Miho should have kissed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my final thought. All Uh, right. C plus.
2: All right, cool. Uh, I'm in the same zone. I think that it's just very strange to me. Yeah, that too. Um, I I, I do think that there are a lot of missed opportunities with characters, not just those two, but like, you know, Giancarlo Esposito is in one of the most thankless roles I've ever seen him in. And it's just a movie that it's just, it's, it, it rips off so many other things. It's just, it's not, it doesn't have its own feel. Hunger Games has its own feel and style and like the details make that world come alive. This one, I just don't care about the world that I'm in. So, and I like the characters enough from the first two films that I wasn't super bored by this, but again, it just didn't add anything. So I think that in some ways this movie has some really good filmmaking in it that's even better than, the second and the first but i honestly think that you should just watch the first movie and consider it a standalone uh, and you're much better off that way i give movie a c plus uh
1: i like i said earlier i'm probably a bad reference <laughs> for how to grade this movie considering how much information and con- most important think about it, <laughs> or you're most i was missing um, <laughs> according to the box office statistically yeah, i guess so um yeah we'll we'll kind of summed it up for me pretty well this just didn't leave me with much to talk about it's very forgettable for me I forgot we were talking about it (laughs) I was like what are we doing this week on cinema hogs and John's like we're in the theater still (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah I mean I think that's a pretty good wrap-up of what that movie offers me as a uh, non-investor of this series Um, it's just a C for me
2: all right well it's a that's a C average for Maze Run of the Death Care are you surprised um, we're we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to do our mini reviews for Hostels. Uh, please stand by. And on that note, please stand by um, for Black Lightning. And if you little stupid gesture and more, don't go away. All right, let's get into our mini reviews for this week, starting with Hostels. Uh, hostels, which Maverick Kynes and I have seen. Lashin, sadly, you have not. You didn't find the time. And.
0: I was, well,
1: yeah. It's not his fault. We told him we Here's weren't going to do it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I didn't get for we this,
0: not. and I would have seen it on my own, but initially we were like, okay, so this week we're going to talk about Maze Runner and hostels Like, okay, I'll set the final time to watch Hostiles. And then on Thursday, you're like, oh, we couldn't watch Hostiles, so we're just going to talk about Maze Runner. It's like, okay, whatever. We'll just talk about Maze Runner. And then today, you're like, all right, so we saw Hostels. <laughs> Well, part of the reason we were able to see Hostels is
2: because we put off our recording of the show, so we had some extra time. Um, yeah, well, why didn't you just read
1: John's mind and know what was happening? Yeah, right. exactly.
2: <laughs> um, so we did see Hostels, and uh, I you know, I was going to bring this up earlier, how like every movie in January just seems to be over two hours long, and we were talking about this before the show, and we're like, is this going to be a thing for 2018? I hope Where, not, like, or at least make better
1: movies this long.
2: <laughs> well, we did our homework and we like Will and us, we, we were actually looking it up and like, there are a lot of movies that are over two hours long coming out this year, but I guess it's not like, a it's, it, may, it may not be like a new trend or anything like that, but we're just really feeling it in January. I mean, between Maze Runner was over two hours, Hostiles was two and a half, you know, Den of Thieves, 12 Strong. I mean, it's been like for a, a month where like the movies aren't that great. We've sure have been at the movies a lot. Um, for a long amount of time but that brings us into hostels which is a, a western based in 1892 we don't get a lot of westerns these days and when we do i usually try to take notice it was written and directed by uh, scott cooper and it's based on a story by donald e stewart uh, the film stars christian bale rosamund pike west duty who west duty you may not know that name west duty is like has been in, like, every movie. Uh, he He's usually, like, he plays Native American characters, and, like, he was in Dances of Wolves, okay. Last Mohicans. Um, he was in Independence Day. I mean, this guy, he's in everything. Um, I think he was in one of the Taylor Sheridan films at some point, but... Uh, oh, Wind River? Was, was it... I don't know if it was Wind River. I'd have to look it up, but... Yeah, so... Scott Cooper, um, I don't know if you guys are, uh, he, he's been an actor in some films, um, but he directed Black Mass, the Johnny Depp movie that was supposed to be well, Johnny Depp's
0: return to form. I was going to say, his, his most well-known movie is Crazy Heart, which got Jeff Bridges his Oscar.
2: Right. Crazy Heart's a good film. Um, Black, yeah. Ma- Black Mass is just like his most recent, but Crazy Heart, I oh, mean, I that could... came out almost a decade ago,
0: right? So, uh, yeah, 2009. So, yeah.
2: So that said hostels, uh, wasn't really sure what to think about this one going in. It could be another good film from Scott Cooper, or it could just be like a kind of a midi, like black mass kind of movie. And I kind of fell into the black mass zone with this. Uh, the story it's about, um, it's, it's, it's dark. I'll, let's put it that way. It's It's, heavy. It's depressing. It's It's like super grim. Um, it's it's a look at like the American West and the relationships between Native Americans and the U.S. government through the lens of just like this everything sucks everybody is mean to everybody everyone is violent your life is fleeting uh, it's that kind of Western um, and I would say the best kind <laughs> I would say that you know that that was the kind of Western I went into wanting um, as I was mentioning a uh, Christian Bale, Reson Pike, West Studi. Uh, Jesse Plemons, who was also in black mass, uh, Timothy Chalamet from coming by your name has a role in this, Ben Foster and quite a few others. Maverick. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about this movie. It, it, it's a simple movie. Like, uh, these U S soldiers led by Christian Bale are escorting these native Americans and like Christian Bale is about to retire and he wants to retire. Yeah. And he has to escort his, like, big nemesis. Yeah, so, like, Yellow Hawk.
1: him and Yellowhawk were at, yeah. like, Wounded Knee together, and they both kind of basically were super evil war people right they both did terrible things in this you know war thing uh or not uh yellow hawk has been in prison with his family for like seven years and the government decided like they've put him through enough he's dying of cancer so christian bale's character has to lead him back to his homeland of valley of the bears in montana as like his final resting place and they chose the guy who like hates him the most to lead him there because he you know knows the trails can speak the language and it's pretty good pr (laughs) yeah, <laughs> um, for, for, for the America. cat for the for his boss
2: right yeah. right and along the way they uh, link up with this woman uh who played by rizmond pike who her entire family is just de- like decimated by comanche indians and so it from there it's like kind of a the revenant kind of thing where like they have to deal with bandits they have to deal with fur traders they have to deal with these uh comanches and Along the way, Christian Bale's character and West Judy's character sort of have to find some common ground in order to survive. It's that kind of film. Yeah. Uh, did you like it?
1: Um, so, you know, this is this kind of, you know, the, the Western dark kind of thing. It, it's really a genre and a style that I enjoy. You know, um, Hateful Eight, 310 to Yuma, uh, Open Range. Like, I really like these kind of like dark you know, old West movies. So I went into it with a little bit of bias already, thinking like this is totally something I'm going to enjoy. Um, and while I did like this movie, like I don't think it's necessarily on par with you know the ones I mentioned beforehand. You know, I don't think it's like a fantastic film. And I think a lot of that for me comes from the fact that it was just slow. A lot of it was really, really really slow. And while I did like the important scenes and I thought it was cool and, you know, it was just like an okay movie. It was an enjoyable experience. I think it would have been better for me if the pacing wasn't so slow, if there wasn't so many unnecessary, you know, campfire shots at night and stuff like that.
2: Literally like there there was this like a uh, filmmaking technique where Cooper is apparently really trying to get forward like the passage of time. So what he'll do is he'll fade in to campfire stay on that shot for like 10 seconds and then no dialogue and it's one character and then Mm -hmm. fade out to like the next morning and then the same thing. And there's only like two shots. And like, I get what he's trying to say with this, but when you're the viewer and you're spending like two minutes just with no dialogue, getting a point across that, after you've already been in a movie for yeah, you know, like, an hour and it, 45 it's, minutes. <laughs> it's not exactly compelling enough for me to like get, soak it all in. And yeah. I think he was hoping that like the atmosphere was going to soak me in. But it's not a pretty enough movie. It's pretty, but it's not it's not a movie. It's not a big canvas of a movie where I just want to be exposed to a lot of... It's not like Blade Runner, right? Where you just... Every detail is amazing or whatever. Not even a movie like Wind River. Like That movie has a lot of sprawling vista shots. But were you you're really into it because um, maybe because I I just personally was like hooked on the plot of it and like the the stakes I didn't care about Christian Bale at all in this I, I did I did a I was having a hard did. time like staying awake in the really? first 20 30 minutes because the I, until they finally meet up with Rosamund Pike I was like how am I gonna sit through this for two and a half hours because yeah. I just I wasn't sold on him at all. Yeah, I,
1: I would say I wish because, like, as you know, as you expect, as they go on this journey, you kind of learn more about Christian Bale's past, his character's past. You know, Joseph, what he's done and stuff like that. And I wish they would have given us just a little bit of more of that in the beginning because it's hard, like you said, John. It's kind of hard to care about him, yeah, um, for the first little bit. But I think this what this movie does a really good job is like, you know, the, there are some some contrasting points about you know the the status of people in this time and like you can see men reflecting on what they've done to this native american people and like like you can see that some of these guys were pretty self-aware of the fact that they have displaced an entire group of people and that like they don't necessarily deserve what's you know what's happening to them um and i thought that was cool because i don't think you see that a lot in you know like these old west films you see a lot of you know the cowboys you know Raiding lands and they're winning and that's it. But I think what I enjoyed was, like I said, you know, you see these cowboys or these American soldiers kind of saying, like, you know, they don't deserve this, <laughs> you know, right. which I which I appreciated. Um, there was even handedness in it. Yeah, yeah and, and one thing I really enjoyed, which was kind of. Um, I think it fell short a little bit, but the, the idea of, you know, they, they end up transporting another prisoner who like was fighting alongside, I'm trying not to give too much away here, but was like, you know, new, uh, yeah, played Christ- by ben Foster. who knew Christian Bale's character and told him, was like, Hey, you've done worse things than me. Why am I the prisoner right now? Right. And I kind of liked that little, like, I think that was a cool way to show us like how, how dark Christian Bale's character was, like how evil he really was. And they kind of give us some context and history there. Um, So, I mean, I I liked little pieces of this, you know what I mean? Like, I thought there were some cool things, but you do have to bear a lot of boredom to get to the stuff that's... And there's not even any bears. (laughs) No bears. There's a valley of bears, but not a single bear.
2: There's, like, no animals.
1: That was one thing I was going to actually bring up. I was really complaining about the fact, or I know it wasn't, but it bothers me that there was no wildlife, like, at all. Like, I don't even remember seeing, like, a bird. Right. Like, Very They strange. didn't show any, like, just shots horses. of them, like, surviving off food. Like, it was just kind of weird what they chose to include as part of the important travel aspects, like yeah. campfires, but not so much, like, wildlife or hunting or, you know, that's a weird nitpick, but...
2: It's it's an important one. It, yeah. it adds to, like, there was no atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> right? um they okay. relied
1: way too much on a beautiful background i think
2: they did and like the action scenes were great great like gunplay that like really it was really tense you never knew whose life was gonna end honestly
1: that's okay yeah i'm glad you brought that up that's one thing i can give the movie credit for the the way they decided who died and who survived and stuff like that i saw they were, i was surprised a lot of the time yeah which i thought was cool because it wasn't necessarily predictable as There's you tension. might expect yeah
2: um, if this movie was just a bit shorter, yeah. I, you know, I would give it a little bit more slack. I, I would give it, I'd put it in the B minus range, but I got to give it a C plus. It's just too oh, wow. long for what it is. I honestly, I, I just don't, I don't think there's enough good. Um, I, I, it's just, it, I, 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 there's just more negative and like the stuff that I liked in this movie, I did really like, so I'm a bit conflicted. What yeah. You?
1: Yeah. That's where I'm at too. I think for, if you're like me and you're really into this kind of genre and style, it's more of like a B movie. But I think for just like the general movie going experience, I think you're right. Probably like a B minus is is a better representation of what it is. But for me personally, I'm more of a B just because I really like the setting. All right. Well, B for boredom. Nice. Um, <laughs> sorry
2: to say. Uh, and then the C for Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Um, oh, that works out. Oh, yeah. initial no, missed an opportunity. Life just works out that way. Huh? Yep. Okay, uh, next mini review, Will
0: Ashen. Uh, please stand by. What, what's this one about? So, yeah, this is, um, I guess, a dramedy. I know you don't like that term, but uh, it's a. Uh, Wait, I sort don't like a... that term? What do you mean? What? What's that? You don't think I like the term dramedy? I don't know. I, 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 when I've used that in the past, you've kind of uh, scrutinized me for it. Uh, you're putting words into my mouth. Well, I've never. Sorry. Sorry about that. Maybe that's just with the big sick or something else that we talked about before.
2: Mm, I don't know what you're referring to. Yeah,
0: I don't either. So uh, (laughs) we'll move on then. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is like a coming of age story where Dakota Fanning is a girl who's very much on the spectrum. And she is living in a foster home sort of situation with Tony Collette and a couple other people. And, uh, she doesn't really have any outside connection. She doesn't really have any friends. She just kind of has her own little personal interests, which mainly revolve around Star Trek. She watches a lot of Star Trek, um, and she's writing a script, like a fan script for this contest where she can win about $10,000. Uh, because of her situation, she doesn't really have a way to get the, uh, script out and, She's her sister is Alice Eve, and there's like a kind of fractured relationship there that's only partially explained. But through a very through various different uh, mix-ups and situations, they she cannot get the script out in mail in time. So she goes on this like kind of road trip to L.A. to go directly to Paramount Pictures to deliver the script in time. And it's uh, it's the same guy. I think his name's Ben Lewin, the director of the Sessions. I don't know if you remember that movie or not, John uh with john hawks and uh who was the other person that helen hunt i never watched Which it was, you never watched it? it's a good movie oh, okay. um that's his most but, recent film isn't it yeah well like 2012 yeah but i don't so, think he's done
2: anything since
0: yeah this is like his first movie that since then and then i think he actually has a movie at sundance right now because he has another one with paul walker or uh with um paul, paul Walker. jeez no no uh paul rudd it's like called the catcher is a Spy. Uh, I know that's at Sundance right now. He directed that as well. Hmm. Um, But yeah, the the thing about the movie is, um, so John knows this. I don't think Maverick does. I have a very invested interest in movies that tell stories from the or from people on the spectrum, because I am on the spectrum and I take a pretty personal interest in how that's being represented and how people like me are portrayed in film and television. And so far, This past year or so, there's been a lot of stories from like Young Sheldon to uh, Atypical on Netflix to um, The Counting two years ago and the documentary I haven't gotten to see called Dina or Dina um, and Life Anime as well. That's a really good one. Uh, All these different movies. Oh, and The Good Doctor on AMC or whatever that is. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's all these stories coming out and I feel like a lot of them, with the exception of documentaries, have been kind of troublesome because... While I appreciate the exposure to people like me, it does kind of give a false impression most of the time. And I find that while they have good intentions, they just don't really portray it right. And it just comes off as kind of false and inaccurate and sometimes even offensive, like it was for the accountant. As far as this movie is concerned, I think it's a little better than most of those. I think it comes from a very sincere, sweet place. And I think a thing that really helps this movie is, not only is it from a female perspective, which is usually not seen, these kind of movies are usually like white male, which can kind of get a little tiresome, but it's uh, through Dakota Fanning's performance, which is actually pretty generally good, that the movie has a little more honesty and heart. And so, I don't know, I, I'm ultimately kind of mixing the movie because I think once the actual road trip stuff happens, it kind of just goes into kind of like a standard... Like by the numbers film that like she learns she learns to like kind of fall into her own rhythm and trust her own instincts and then like the other people learn to let go and just kind of it just feels a little familiar to me it just doesn't really bring as much to the table as I'd like but I almost want to recommend it solely for Dakota Fanning's performance because I think it's been a long time since Dakota Fanning's really been the spotlight I think Ellie Fanning her sister has been more seen of late and I can understand that because I think. Ali Fanning is a great young actress, but I think this is really good showcase for Dakota Fanning kind of coming into older roles and establishing herself again. I think she's also in The Alieness, the show that Kimber yeah. was talking about last week. So, yeah, I don't know. overall, I'm just kind of mixed on it, but I don't think it's bad necessarily. I just think it's okay. Um, I gave it a C plus, but like a light pat on, the C- a pat on the back C+. Like, you you did a good job enough, but it's not quite there. But Yeah, like, A you, for effort. You, yeah, A for effort, like, C-plus in execution, but you mm. tried, and it was it was an okay effort, so if you want to check it out, it's not not the worst waste of your time, but I think there are better movies out there.
2: Yeah. Um, as somebody who's not a big Star Trek fan, uh, that sounds like something I can skip, but it sounds like it's not really about that. It's more about, you know, a character study, so that's good to hear. Yeah.
0: It's a character study. It's just not really, like, one that brings a lot of original or fresh ideas to the table. So. Uh.
2: Well, that's Please Stand By. Uh, and it's on VOD right now. And then uh, yes, there's yes. a new show out on the CW that I have been itching to talk about called Black Lightning. Uh, Black Lightning is a new superhero show. And I, it's CW superhero shows, The Flash, Arrow, <clears throat> Legends of Tomorrow. Those are shows that uh, we never really talk about on Cinemaholics. Uh, I think like the, a couple times we have have been when like, we have guests on, like I think CJ Mellon uh, and I talked about A couple other shows like Gotham and iZombie whatever and uh, uh, Robert Giannis Jr. uh, from We Got This Covered as well uh, is a big fan and I'm a big fan too but I know Maverick will they're not really your jam not at all and I've never really recommended them to you guys I've never been like Maverick you you just gotta see Flash you know they're very unique shows like they have a very unique style and flavor that if you're in you're in but I got to say they have put out a new show right now that I actually recommend to people who don't aren't usually fans of CW in general. Um, even even if uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I know you do like that. I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's the one CW show. But uh, yeah, and I love that show in pieces as well. So Black Lightning is kind of like the DC's Luke Cage. Right. So Luke Cage is a Marvel character. DC kind of has their own like neighborhood superhero with like, you know, black social commentary and that's black lightning. But I love the premise of black lightning, like dating back to the comics obviously, but like in the new show is very faithfully realized through like a high school principal, like the lead, the, the oh, lead you, okay, character. You were telling me about this one. Yeah. Yeah. The lead, I love it. The lead character is a high school principal and when you jump into this world, he was Black Lightning, a superhero. Like people know who he is. There's no origin story or anything like that. He was a superhero nine years ago. Um, he has two daughters, and he's divorced because being because of what being a superhero did to him. And as the show starts, you have this like gang called the One Hundred that is just like devastating the black community. Um, they're, you know, they, they've, they're, they're a gang, they're doing gang stuff. And I don't want to spoil like stuff. They're doing gang things. Yeah. Like they're, they're just being, you know, terrible to people. And he's like a high school principal and he's trying to like, he he's trying to like save lives by just being a very like taking care of his community. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of that neighborhood hero sort of thing. He has like the power to like control electricity and stuff like that. So kind of like a static shock. Uh, which those two characters are um, related as well in like the comics. So uh, it's in a fictional place called Freeland and it takes place in the same, I'm pretty sure it takes place in the Arrowverse, but it's it's cool because when you watch the show, you're like, there are other superheroes in the world. Like mm. they mention it, they're like, Oh, black lightning. He's, he's the one, you know, in, in other cities, they have these superheroes and they're not vigilantes, but like in ours, we have a black superhero and like, you know, the police want him arrested. And so like, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of black lives matter stuff going on here. Um, there's awesome. a traffic stop that goes pretty ugly. That stuff like that. And so the show clearly has like a point of view. It's, it's, it was created by, um, Samuel Kahn and, uh, I think he's best known probably for... Or, sorry, Salim. Salim Akil, sorry, uh, who is married to Mara Akil, who worked, they both worked on Moesha. And uh, this show is so good. It, it is such a it is such a well-constructed superhero show with, like... It has things to say about superheroes that most shows don't even dive into. Like, his him being a superhero, because he he basically gets put in a position where he, he has to become black lightning again after nine years. Mm. And the problem is that there are downsides to using his powers. He like, it hurts him. You know, he like gets very like messed up the next day. Okay. Um, other characters who know about him, like he has his own, like Alfred and his wife, his ex wife, they kind of spar a bit because like she, she's straight up like it's an addiction. Like, him using his powers, him, he, like, relapses into becoming a superhero. Hmm. Him, like, doing this stuff is an addiction. And then um, the Alfred character is, like, the addiction is, like, him um, trying to, like, get away from it. And there's just, like, a lot of core conflicts here and, like, a lot of, like, huh, like, is it? Should he even be a superhero? Like you're, you're, you're conflicted as the viewer, and it's it's smart writing and it's uh, really good at the the source material, pretty good effects, um, but it, you know it is mostly a drama. Um, I won't say it's a dramedy because apparently I'm I hate those. Um, I'm just kidding. Well, that said, uh, Black Lightning, great CW show. If you have a chance to check it out, it's on the CW app. You can start watching the first two episodes. Uh, it's pretty good, and I hope it continues to be good.
0: Yeah, I hope it's good. I mean, uh, I saw a trailer for it during The Shape of Water. It didn't really impress me, but I'm hearing a lot of great reviews, so I might check it out. All right, uh, Will Ashton, you saw
2: a an animated film that's been on my radar. I've been I've been trying to see it for a while. It played in the the Bay Area a while back, and I just never got a chance. Called The Breadwinner. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what can you tell us about that movie?
0: Yeah, so uh, if you don't know, The Breadwinner was recently just nominated for best animated film. So it joins the prestigious category of uh, the Boss Baby and Ferdinand. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Leave out Coco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was trying to talk about yeah, 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 You get the joke. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah, So um, The Breadwinner is certainly a better film than those two. It's uh, I forget the director's name. It was my pick for uh, 52 films by women for this week. Uh, But she also did The Secret of Kells and um, Song of the Sea, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, Norah I think is how you pronounce her name. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Funny thing about her, though, like, when my screening started, there was, like, I don't know if this was, like, from a festival or something, but, like, she, like, gave, like, a little, like, presentation before. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, hey, I'm the director of the movie, and I'm sorry I couldn't be there. And, like, like, clearly reading off a teleprompter, and it's like, why would you be here, like why would you be in Pennsylvania at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday? Like what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, it's a, uh, it's also, an interesting movie. Be- Angela because- Jolie uh, executive produced this one too, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She is an executive producer and, uh, it's a mostly, I think Irish production, which is kind of interesting because it's a, it's a story of a young girl. in. A, I don't think they ever say what time period it is, but, uh, she is, if I, I'm not mistaken. Is she, she's in Afghanistan or um, yeah,
2: um, under the control of the Taliban? So I think it's exactly, supposed to be yeah. like yeah, early 2000s before the Taliban. Right. Was, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, she is just basically kind of living a quiet life with her family. Um, women, obviously, at this time, do not have really any control. Like they cannot buy food for their family. They cannot have any real like things. They can't. They like, all they can really do is like stay home and raise their kids. Essentially, as, as the movie presents it. Uh, and her dad is like this old war veteran. He doesn't have his leg anymore. And they kind of just sell random miscellaneous items on the street for money. And, uh, due to an altercation, he gets taken to prison and in the means of trying to figure out a way to get money, she cuts her hair and assumes the role of a man. And sure enough, that actually gets her, uh, different opportunities and liberties that she did not have present or before that. And so the movie, it, it, it's a very, uh, interesting story because I don't want to give away more after that because I think well it just sounds the, like a lot yeah, I was going to say, I, well, I didn't actually want to make that comparison because I feel like that's almost too simplistic, but that's a very, I mean, there's that. And then I was talking to somebody and they compared it to like that Albert Knobs movie. If you remember that. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting film. I, I, I'm curious to see if more people will see it just so I can talk about it with them. Cause there are some things as far as this presentation are concerned that I found kind of odd or some things that I wasn't really sure were as effective as it could have been. But uh, yeah, and overall it's definitely a good film. It's a beautiful film to look at. I mean, the animation just like in uh secret of the Kells and song of the sea, it looks gorgeous, especially there are some scenes throughout where they tell like a story within a story. Like she's, telling this long story that's like a fairy tale in it and it's you know obviously parallel to what she's going through in real life and the way it's animated and everything it just it's funny it's really well done and it uh ultimately it's a very touching heartfelt film and i hope john if you get a chance whether it's in theaters or on demand or some other way you can get a chance to check it out because i would like to talk about more when you actually get to see it but in the meantime, if you do, if you do have a chance to see it, it's kind of hard to find because I think it's Cartoon Saloon that produced it, and they yeah. aren't usually the best about distributing their movies in theaters. So I felt very fortunate that I got to see it in theaters. But um, yeah, it's definitely, if you have a chance to see it, check it out because it's very much worth your time. I think I'm gonna give it a B plus. And I, uh,
2: I, yeah, yeah, I really, I really want to see it, uh, B for bread. And uh, yeah. the problem <laughs> is the that it's the, the nearest screening for it is like 40 miles away um so that's oh, a wow. challenge yeah, yeah. It, it was a little bit closer for a little while and then it was around the holidays and yeah it's just it, as you say they they can be tricky about
0: that but i, I do find yeah. on seeing
2: it before the oscars so
0: yeah if you get a chance yeah definitely check it out i was gonna talk about how one of the first things i said after it came out was i was joking with john like they should have called it the bread buyer no one wins any bread and then you were just like shut up well <laughs> <Like, laughs> sounds was, like john yeah yeah i
2: wasn't a fan um, okay, we have one last mini review before we call it an episode. A Feudal and stupid gesture. Um, I'm. I can't believe I watched
0: this movie. Uh, I, I thought you were going to see it, Will. I was. No, I planned to. I just uh, due to personal reasons, I haven't gotten to see it yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. When when you do see it, hopefully we can actually talk about it a little bit. Uh, it is. I'll be very simplistic though in my mini review. It is a biographical comedy. About the life of Doug Kenny. Um, if you've never heard of Doug Kenny, he was the one of the minds behind the National Lampoon magazine. Um, so this movie tells the story of his life. Uh, you know, spoiler alert: he died in 1980. I won't reveal how, but uh, the movie kind of is about that and how um, this is the guy who was behind the movies uh, Animal House and Caddyshack. Uh, which, you know, two, two of the most successful comedy films. Uh, well, Animal House is one of the most successful comedy films of all time. And uh, yeah, the movie stars Will Forte, uh, who plays the role. Um, and it—oh, it, and Donald Gleason <laughs> is in this. He plays Henry Beard, and they they get out of Harvard, and they team up. They've just published a book called Board of the Rings, and they decide they want to like create like a, a humor magazine, something in between Mad Magazine and the New Yorker, as they put it. And uh, if you've never read National Lampoon, I'm sure you've heard of it. You know, this is the comedy brand that launched the careers of Chevy Chase, uh, Jim Belushi, uh, I think Brian O'Donohue. I'm not as, quite as familiar, but with like basically um, Mick Donahue, sorry. Um, basically, like the impetus for Saturday Night Live, uh, this very particular. Um, Time in history uh, when comedy was going a lot darker, basically. And uh, it, it, Doug Kenny is kind of a person that I don't think a lot of people realize or know a lot about, especially like in our generation, because you know of his untimely death. Uh, the film also stars Neil Casey, John Daly. John Daly plays Bill Murray, and it's like they, they, it's a very self-aware film. I should point out, like it's a film that literally, um, <laughs> li- literally, what what what's his name? Martin Mull.
0: Yeah, Martin Mull. Yeah,
2: yeah, Martin Mull plays like an older version of Doug Kenny if he had lived, <laughs> and like throughout the movie he's breaking the fourth wall. He's saying things like, "Okay, well we also so these are the four writers we hired in a National Lampoon magazine, and then like a crowd of other people come in. is like, okay, these are these other writers, but we didn't have room for them in the film. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a part where they like uh a li- he's like, and there's a bunch of other creative liberties we took, and like a bunch of uh like. Like there's like a um a black screen goes up and then it's like a slide of credits of like what they did that like didn't actually happen and funny. it's like a lot like the Big Short it's very similar to the Big Short in that style like I have a feeling that um that uh because it, it was written by Michael Colton and John about um uh, they wrote the book sorry and the book kind of has that personality to it but. um This one, yeah, watching it, I was very much thinking of like uh, Ryan Gosling and you know uh, Steve Carell, sort of trying to you know break the fourth wall. It was directed by David Wayne, and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's a Netflix movie. Like you can watch it like right now, and I think for a Netflix movie, it's perfectly average. Uh, I didn't I didn't hate it. It's not very great. Uh, It's just. It should have been funnier, I guess. And it it was very distracting to see Will Forte in this role because Will Forte is a very funny guy, but the type of comedy here just didn't... A lot of his jokes were well-written, but they just do not land. Like, the bits and stuff. And so there's a lot of, like, whatever-who-cares moments. Um, But it's sad because it's a very stylistic film. It's one that, like, they use really cool, like, visual gags to tell the story and like there's some good story here emmy rossum plays uh katherine walker in this and uh they do some really clever stuff with that matt walsh is in this as well and uh there's so like joel McHale plays chevy chase and that that was like my moment in the movie because joel McHale, if you don't know um jeff winger from community playing chevy chase there was just something really tragically sweet about that I guess, and uh, for those oh, of you yeah, don't yeah. know, yeah, like Chevy Chase. By the way, was very very important person um, in this movie, uh, in the real life events. So, all of that said, I if you, make you it sound
0: like he's dead,
2: uh, yeah. Well, I to community he is, yeah. Um, the fans, I guess, yeah. Uh, some tr- some tough stuff there, but okay. All of that said, if you are at all interested, I in, like, this period of time. Like, if you... Especially if you don't know much about it, but you kind of know that it happened, that the National Lampoon stuff. I think it's a very useful movie to watch. I think, like... Maverick, like I think you would get a kick out of like the history here, yeah. Because um, it is like a movie that you learn a lot. You, I, there were a lot of things in here. I had no idea that like Doug Kenny knew as many of these people as he did. Like I, you know, and I, I thought I was like a pretty big fan of like National Lampoon, the story and all of that. So I, I would say check it out. It's it's a, it's definitely worth a Netflix watch. It's a very short film, and uh, not very short. It's kind of just an average length. So. Worth, worth checking out I, I waver between C plus and B minus you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give it the B minus uh, I, I think it, it's very passable um, I don't know what the B is for um, I guess be ready because it's it's gets it gets really dark because it's, it's it's a funny movie but like I don't usually like dramedies like I hate it when people use that word you but just like- <laughs> Will's like, I'm done! I can't take this anymore. It's actually it's actually like a black comedy here. Um but anyway, that's a futile and stupid gesture. Uh uh yeah, it's okay.
0: It's alright. Uh yeah, did you see the documentary Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead? No, no. Uh that's actually that's how I kind of got to know Doug Kenny because uh that came out a couple years ago. I think he's also on Netflix right now. Uh if you want to know more about like the actual story behind the rise and fall of National Lampoon. I would definitely check it out. I will was because I'm
2: uh, I was like very curious about what was real and what was correctly
0: portrayed. Yeah, I would check that documentary out. I think it's a good companion piece, especially if they're both on the site. Uh, but um, yeah, I that got me really interested to see this movie, and especially with David Wayne involved. I think, and Will Forte, who I think is probably one of the best people ever come from Saturday Night Live. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna check this one out. All
2: right. Well, that's a fetal and stupid gesture. And with that, we are done with our mini reviews. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Cinema Holic's. We'll be back next week to have our special guest who is to be revealed. Uh, We will be talking about the Oscars, um, who was nominated, and we're going to be getting a Sundance breakdown from somebody who actually watched a lot of films of Sundance. Um, So that's going to be a really cool discussion. And uh, we'll see you again for that next week but uh if you like our show don't forget to leave us a review and rating on apple podcasts to help us keep the lights on and uh as i mentioned before facebook page twitter cinemaholics go to the show notes for all that stuff yeah
1: and as i say don't forget to let us know what you would be interested in receiving for the giveaway and how you would like to compete for that uh we have some ideas but obviously none of that matters if you guys don't want those things so let us know what you're interested in and we will uh
0: Cinemaholics in your basement.
1: <laughs> I promise you, you do, do not you want, want that. you want to have your own broadband basement? Uh, <laughs> do so you yeah, want to make us... Maverick cookies? Uh, please do. Yeah, make me cookies. I'll take cookies. Anyway, yeah, let us know because we want to make sure that whatever we end up doing is something whoever wins actually wants. <laughs> and, right, yeah. And not here's, just like a Blu ray Here's gonna a girl that
2: want. you don't care about. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, let us know uh, so we can have fun with this. Yeah. That's all I've right. got. Well, that'll do it for
2: us this week. Thanks again for listening. From the Internet, California, I'm John Agroni.
0: From the Internet, Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton.
1: From the Broadband Basement, I'm Everkinds. See you next time. Mm, bye.